One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. We're here to support your company and your employees, now and in the future. We know Irish life. We are Irish life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts. Now later in the show, you'll hear from a panel of Irish Times journalists on the latest economic indicators, calls by Ryanair pilots for the airline's chief executive, Michael O'Leary, to resign and plans by Aer Lingus to charge for its lost and found service. We'll even sprinkle a little bit of Brexit on top of that mix. But first, I'm joined in studio by Irish Times business reporter Peter Hamilton to run through some of the main news stories so far this week. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corn cob Now, Peter, there's, uh, it turns out that there's no business like snow business in Ireland this week. Tell us all about it. Indeed, there's not... It's, it's, it's a bad week for business. Uh, the, these couple of days in particular, Dublin Town estimate that between today and Friday, uh, businesses will lose... Today around, being Wednesday. Today also. being Wednesday and Friday, businesses will lose around €15 million Euro worth of turnover. They said today on Wednesday alone, footfall was down 70%. They expect that to be just as bad tomorrow. Uh, and Friday, we'll have to wait and see. They hope it doesn't drag on to Saturday because... That's a much busier day again, and that could affect businesses in Dublin far worse. Now, across the country, the picture was relatively similar, and it's relatively similar as, as the week goes on. Uh, a lot of banks have had to close their doors on Wednesday. They'll remain closed tomorrow. Supermarkets, Little, they've uh, they've closed, as well, or they plan to close from Thursday. Well, if Little are closing, I mean, the world is just going to come to an end, Peter. Well, it, indeed, it'll be uh, with, with these bread and milk shortages that'll exacerbate the problem, I have no doubt. I mean, if the uh, Germans can't see this through, you know, who can? <laughs> well, I don't know. AIB was one that tried to see it through on Wednesday morning and they were criticised for trying to see it through. The FSU said that they didn't implement a clear policy uh, today and that left staff in a very difficult position, they said. And the central bank was also one of the other banking institutions that decided uh, it should close mm. on now, Wednesday. I suppose we're going to have some transport disruption, serious transport disruption on Thursday, possibly Friday as well. Dublin Bus have said all services cancelled on Thursday. Uh, Dart uh, and other rail services I think gone from about lunchtime on Thursday till lunchtime on Friday we don't know quite what the outlook will be for Friday just yet but that makes it very difficult for people to get into work and indeed for people to come and shop It does and and that's the main concern because that makes up such a significant proportion of footfall that if those people aren't travelling the suggestion is that the remaining 30% won't drive in either so it essentially eradicates whatever number of people one would expect to be in the city. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's not great for traders at all. 
What about hotels? Any sense of whether they're having to drop their rates or are, are there lots of empty rooms? Are people still going to turn up for their bookings? Any sense of that? Well, I spoke to Castle Knock Hotel earlier in the week. They said that they had been getting at that point calls uh, from guests saying that they probably weren't going to be able to make it. Uh, now, at that point, this was earlier in the week and they were saying that they would uh, allow the, give the guest credit. Now, in most circumstances, if a guest cancels that late, they don't get the money back. They lose the money. Uh, but in, in that case, that particular hotel was saying they'd give credit. You'd assume a number of hotels are doing that given the adverse okay. uh, conditions. And Ryanair cancelling uh, all flights uh, in and out of Dublin and Aer Lingus doing similar for their short haul services, although long haul is going to continue, I understand. And, and Shannon and Cork at the moment are uh, continuing. Are unaffected yeah. uh, so far. Okay, now let's talk about it. it's been a busy week on the corporate results uh, front. Some good numbers from EPD. That's right. Their profit was back up around the 50 million mark. Uh, there was growth for them and they resumed dividends. They weren't... They hadn't had a dividend payment for a few years. They had, We'd had profit warnings and steep losses and all sorts of uh, restructuring going on in FBD in the last few years. Right. So positive for shareholders uh, across the board in terms of dividends this week. Uh, Bank of Ireland, I know you're going to touch on that later. Uh, another one was Delata. They told investors this week that they would uh, give a dividend this year. That's and the first that's, dividend that's since their the company was set up. First dividend and that's estimated to be in the region of 7 to 12 cent. That's going on estimates from Goodbody. That's about 20 to, is it 20 to 30 20 to 30 percent of profit. That's right, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, so and you were writing during the week about how they're now focusing their expansion efforts largely on the UK. That's right, they are. Uh, you know, even with the Brexit threat, this is one group that's continuing to benefit from the UK and their profit last year, they've, they, they invested uh, usually in the UK last year and their profit was up 75% to 77.3 million. They recorded very good uh, revenue per available room growth as well. Uh, and while it's a good news story for them in the UK, it's not quite as positive for Kingspan. Uh, they said that the Brexit uncertainty was going to squeeze the demand for their products. Now, their profits were still up. They were up 11% to 377 million uh, and they're still spending. They're spending on buying, buying rivals and they spent mm. 174 million entering new markets. But the, the key Kingspan, thing, we should say, basin cabin insulation products are, are their sort of main item. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but the key takeaway, I think, and and something that led to a slump in their share price earlier in the week was that uncertainty surrounding Brexit. So not affecting Delata quite so much, uh, but a concern for Kingspan. Mm, okay. Um, and let's talk about commercial property. We're, we're going to see some new entrants to the market here. Uh, White Company. Never heard of them, I must confess, but they're coming to Grafton Street. They're paying a rent of about €750,000 a year. It's a building that's owned by iPod. That's right. I but bought this for twelve and a half million in twenty fourteen. This is quite interesting. This white company uh, decision because we we learned last week that Lepan Quotidian was setting up on Dawson Street, not far from this location. Lepan had first opened in in Kildare Outlet. White Company have done a similar thing. They're a UK company for years, but their first Irish outlet was in Kildare. What so did they do? What's their white company is a linen and homeware. Uh, Design. High end. It is high end. White Company is a high end company, but Kildare Outlet seems to be a breeding ground for some of these these foreign. They're businesses. testing the waters here. Testing I the waters in yeah. Kildare Outlet, and and it would appear that it performed all right for them. Uh, if Dublin is the next step, but yeah. a, a very very prominent um, uh, business in the UK, especially in London. All right, sounds as if you're looking forward to them coming, uh, Peter. You're obviously <laughs> a fan of uh, high end linen uh, products. <laughs> Tetrarch now have closed the deal in City West in that vast hotel that was developed by Jim Mansfield and. Sagger to County Dublin. 
Yeah, it is. It's, it's Ireland's biggest, uh, Ireland's largest. Uh, it was acquired by Tetrarch and Pimco for around thirty million in twenty fourteen. Uh, the the transaction now this time was supported by a sixteen million euro loan from Starwood. Starwood, and they they have plans there to bring it forward. I guess they plan to convert eighty apart hotel units into residential apartments there. So. You know, it, it's a sprawling estate. It's, it's only going it to get is. bigger. Big golf course of there. Lots of conference facilities. Uh, Jim Mansfield at the time wanted actually the National Conference Centre to be based there, but it was uh, was put in the city centre on the docks, and probably a good decision uh, in the heel of the hunt. Uh, but talk to us about Airbnb. You've been writing about Airbnb um, this week, and they've been writing to Dublin City Council to give their to outline their concerns about um, how the planning process might be working against them and against families travelling here? Yeah, th- yeah, they are concerned. They're saying that Dublin and Ireland is, is becoming an, an unaffordable location for families. They said that apartment guidelines in a circular sent around by the Department of Housing means that families now have to look into booking hotels instead of booking apartments. And in addition to, to Airbnb's concern, and I think I, I use concern loosely, uh, they are concerned that this will also restrict regular families from earning a little extra income. Now, critics of Airbnb have said for years that the service has led to a reduction in the availability of rental stock in the city. But uh, Airbnb said in 2016 there were only 3,800 entire home listings on their site. Uh, so, so again, it, it's a balance for Dublin City Council. It's a balance for co- councils all around the country whether they should allow the likes of Airbnb uh, become more common and, and remove rental stock if that is the ultimate effect. Yeah, now the thing I don't get about this is uh, these planning guidelines that have come from the Department of Housing, I suppose uh, they're driven by the fact that we have a housing crisis at the, at the minute. But we've had B&Bs in Ireland, you know, since uh, God was a child. And uh, they continue to operate in spite of Airbnb. Take Airbnb out of the picture for a moment. I mean, how is this going to impact uh, B&Bs that have been operating for decades? There is a difference. Uh, the the key, the key thing to if you if you were to let out your home, is if you're to let out your home for more than five nights consecutively or for more than a hundred and uh, hundred and sixty nights a year, you have to apply for change of use. B and B's one would presume have applied for change of use because they're they're doing this on a constant basis. So there is a difference, I think, between renting out your apartment or your home uh, and and doing that on a commercial basis all year round. Mm. Okay. It's a beautiful day. Now, Peter, it's uh, not been such a beautiful day for such a beautiful week, even for you too. Uh, some changes coming in terms of tax law in the Netherlands, which might impact the lads in terms of their pocket. That's right. It's not just you two, Rolling Stones as well, but the Netherlands are planning to close a loophole that rock bands use for royalty payments. Now, they're, they're planning to tax businesses that pay royalties in other countries with lower tax rates. So, the way this works is that the U2 and the Rolling Stones, they license their copyright to companies in the Netherlands, which then licenses to companies in other countries. So the Netherlands being viewed as a low-tax jurisdiction by the EU, uh, this is probably something that they have had to do. But you U2 can earn around £5 million a night from concerts. It's not quite clear how much they're going to be affected by this in monetary terms but all the same not great news Yeah and I seem to recall that when the the rules uh, around the taxing of artists in Ireland changed they moved to the Netherlands and now they're going to uh, they're going to have to find somewhere Peter perhaps uh, where the streets have no name (laughs) How about that? All right, Peter Hamilton thank you for joining us Uh, We're going to take a short break now when we return I'll be talking to a panel of Irish Times journalists about the latest economic indicators calls for Michael O'Leary to resign 
uh, from Ryanair and more besides. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Now, welcome back to this Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Let me remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast for free in iTunes, and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. Now, for this segment of the show, I'm joined in studio by Cliff Taylor, Owen Burke Kennedy, and Barry Hallard, all of the Irish Times. We're going to be chatting about the latest economic indicators, calls by Ryanair pilots for the airline's chief executive, Michael O'Leary, to resign, and plans by Aer Lingus to charge for its lost and found service. Umber Kennedy, uh, we'll start with you. You were writing this week about the latest economic indicators which were out, including uh, unemployment slightly down and uh, figures on earnings showing an average increase of 2.5% across the Irish economy. Yeah, so the CSO's quarterly earnings data give a kind of interesting snapshot of the... uh, where earnings and wages are growing in, uh, are going in the economy and across which sectors. And um, obviously, as evidence in other surveys, workers in the IT sector are um, being paid the best uh, with average weekly earnings of around €1,100. Euros. This was uh, 50% above the national average and more than three times uh, the earnings of those um, in the accommodation and food services or the hospitality sector, mm. which were earning the lowest weekly uh, rate of pay around 350 euros a week. Now, obviously, um, obviously, there's a lot of temporary workers and part-time arrangements in that sector, so probably not the best comparison. I think the one thing that had people scratching their heads on was the fact that the numbers for construction for the construction sector were were down, which kind of seems counterintuitive when you consider that the construction sector, not at the levels of the Celtic Tiger years, but it's definitely booming again and it's it's growing rapidly. We're, you know, a lot more houses being built, people having renovations done and so forth. It just seems odd that the construction Are, sector numbers will be down. It's hard to get a reading on that. Uh, it seems like there's obviously still uh, a lot of slack in the sector, but nobody could really give me a good reading on why that is. The wages on average were down by 0.9%. But yeah, as you say, there's a pickup in house building. Yeah, everybody tells you, you know, if you try to get a try and get a builder at the moment, it's almost impossible, yeah. and they're pricing, you know, they're pricing people out of the market in some cases. Yeah, it's a complex sector, and uh, obviously that doesn't really reflect what we're seeing on the ground. But mm. there you have it; it was one of three sectors which recorded a kind of decrease in average wages over the year. But ten of the thirteen sectors analysed did record increases, which kind of gives the general propulsion of the economy. And the figures also show a bit of a disparity between average earnings in the public sector versus private yeah which is which has been going on for for quite a while and the figures you know are bandied around and used by various different interest groups to you know uh, underscore their various arguments but um, there's no real change there you know yeah are we moving towards full employment well the latest uh, headline rate of unemployment is six percent for february and the central bank are predicting we'll hit 5% next year, which is a rate of unemployment that's equivalent to full employment. So um, on those wages data, the headline weight of wage growth was 2.5%, which kind of reflects this shift towards full employment and a general tightening of the labour market. So you have, I suppose, in basic economic terms, um, firms chasing a shrinking pool of labour and wages being bid up. Now, what's interesting about that headline rate of wage growth is that in other countries and other jurisdictions like the UK and the US, they've been at full employment for a number of years and they've had really sluggish wage growth. And this has kind of puzzled economists around the world for the last two years. 
Um, a lot of theories put forward, but uh, one of the main ones is that you know, in this period of digitization and the gig economy and the shift away from heavy industry uh, towards more service-based industries, wages are generally kind of lower. So we're not seeing the level of wage growth that normally pertains. In the case of Ireland, we kind of are. So it's interesting, we may be having a more routine recovery and a more routine recovery in wages um, than the UK and the US, which is obviously Mm. good for workers and with inflation at... 0.2%, and that means real earnings are going to increase over the next year, which is going to underscore more consumer spending, which is driving uh, GDP growth. Yeah. Cliff Taylor, um, earnings going up on average by 2.5%. Is that a good or a bad thing in your opinion? I think it's a good thing. Uh, I mean, one of the odd things about the first few years of the economic recovery was that we seemed to be, as I almost said, kind of be calmed. There was no inflation or very little overall inflation and wages were stuck as well. Uh, So there was very little earnings growth uh, in the first few years of the economic recovery, probably possibly because people... Employers particularly weren't confident that the recovery was going to hold, and, and it and it took a while for confidence to build. But yeah, I mean, it is, I think it, in the early days of the recovery, it's probably fair to say that there was more of a focus on part-time jobs. I think that's changed now. Yeah, it's there's been a big shift from part-time to full-time. Um, unemployment, as Owen said, down to six percent. Mm. Just looking at the figures before I before I came down, the lowest we went to in recent years was was under four and a half percent before the before the economic crash. Oh seven oh eight, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was it was it was oh six, uh, slightly was earlier than you would have thought. Um, but you know, on whatever measure you take it, whether you take the five percent from the central bank or or historical averages, we are getting close to the time when the labour market is going to be tight. And perhaps a surprise in that context that wages aren't increasing, you know, maybe even more rapidly. You know, as Owen said, there's definitely gaps, some sectors increasing much more quickly than others. Are there gaps in the data? Because the construction, the numbers for construction, yeah. we don't know how robust the data is perhaps, but yeah. the numbers for construction just don't seem, yeah, don't seem I mean, to add up. You, you raised this with me earlier in the week, so I went and looked at it before I came down. And uh, you, I mean, as Owen said, it's, it's inexplicable. Uh, that sector is crying out for workers. There's a huge demand for for, for workers, um, particularly skilled tradespeople. You would have thought wages would be going up. You know, maybe there is some gap there. We'll see them uh, jumping up in the next, uh, you know, in the next yeah. couple of years. I suppose we we are in a period where, as I said, earnings were calm for a long time. Mm. And they're only starting to go up now. So you know, perhaps the construction sector will. Uh, so what's that going to catch do, up? What's that going to do for inflation? Well, I I think. Uh, in a normal recovery, we'd see inflation picking up. It has been one of the mysteries of the economic recovery across the industrialised world over the last while that inflation has been very slow to pick up. We're finally seeing it happening in uh, in the United States. Uh, inflation still very low in Europe. It's Euro- happening in the UK now with food prices going up. That's right, absolutely. And sterling being weak. Uh, in Europe, the ECB said, look, it's confident that price pressures are going to start coming back, that inflation is going to start going back towards its 2% target. Not much sign of it so far. Inflation is still below 1, 1.5% uh, across the eurozone. So this is kind of one of the mysteries of the recovery. And one of the questions people are asking, you know, are we moving into a different era when inflation is going to be lower? But I guess from the point of view of, of people, uh, people getting wage increases, the, the better news is that uh, these are real wage increases, and when you add them to the tax cuts of the budget, people are co- going to be, on average, better mm. off. Very minimal the, tax cuts. Absolutely, abso- 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 and you know the caveat, I suppose, is that people who are renting, 
uh, people who are looking at buying a yeah. home. There are people who, you know, who, who aren't going to be better off. So, sure. so and a lot of people might be saying, hold on a second, what are you talking about? No inflation. My utility bills have been going yeah. up uh, every year, you know, or it feels like they've been going up every year. My yeah. car premiums have been going up. Yeah. My uh, health insurance has been going up, etc. So yeah, other areas, in other, other areas, other it's been falling, down. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, particularly food prices, food prices uh, clothing prices, been ba- good, basic yeah. retail prices, huge competition Cliff, in that sector. We can't talk about the economy ever without uh, mentioning Brexit because it's like a dark cloud oh, that's kind of <laughs> hanging around uh, like a bad smell for yeah. a long time and, and will be for a long time to come. Uh, and we've had some developments on the Brexit front this week and a lot of people probably just can't make head or tail of what the hell's going on in terms of the negotiations between Britain and the EU, particularly Britain's position on the negotiations. Yeah. Can you sort of explain to us what the latest position is? Sure. Well, they're not going well, I suppose, to put it to put it in a nutshell. That we can say with some uh, that we can say with, with some, some force. with some confidence. All right. Uh, so, I mean, a couple of things happened this week. First of all, the political temperature has been raised in Brit- in Britain by what Jeremy Corbyn has said, and he's kind of nudged Labour's position a little bit and said that in future he wants Britain to be a, to continue to be a member of the customs union or to negotiate a new customs union union with What's the, the important union. It, it would make it easier for the UK and the EU to trade in in future in future years without tariffs. Without tariffs. Uh, it doesn't guarantee entirely free trade because for that to happen the UK would need to say in the single market as well because that would make sure that rules and regulations would be the same in the UK as they would be in the EU you know for yeah. example food safety in the food sector all that all those kinds And it of doesn't things. guarantee freedom of movement or a right to work or anything no, like that No no those rights are are generally connected with the single market uh, although Jeremy Corbyn did say he wanted the EU or the UK to be close to the single market as well so there's there's but 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 really I think his move is best seen in a in a political context in Britain, because there's going to be votes on this issue now and coming up in the House of Commons in the next few months, and Theresa May could be in trouble, uh, and there's a possibility we could be heading for a general election in the UK or change of Conservative leader or whatever, because it's very hard to see how she can square the circle, if you like, uh, and bring um, and bring her party with her. The other thing that happened this week: the EU today has published today being Wednesday. Today being Wednesday has published, or the European Commission has published. A draft of the withdrawal agreement, which is the formal legal text on the terms on which Britain mm. would leave the EU. And Let's talk about Northern Ireland. What's it saying? Yeah, about? it's it's really putting into legal force, I suppose, what was agreed last December, uh, and the UK had one interpretation of that. And uh, just to remind us, what was agreed last December? So, what was agreed was both sides wanted to avoid the return of a hard border or trade border on the island of Ireland. Uh, but they weren't quite agreed on how it should happen. So there was kind of a three-part formula. The ideal way to avoid a border is for a new trade agreement between the UK and the EU, which is sufficiently close to allow a border to be avoided. Given that Britain has said that it wants to leave the EU trading bloc, that doesn't seem very likely, uh, although they could relent on that. But there was language around there will be no regulatory divergence, yeah. east, west, north, Absolutely. south. The second, uh, the second way to avoid a border was some some proposals Britain was putting forward on the use of technology and 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 some regulatory alignment, which Dublin, Brussels, nobody else likes, nobody else thinks will work. So yeah, you're right. We fell back to this backstop, as it's been called, which is that uh, Britain committed, uh, London committed in December, uh, that if no other way was found to avoid the return of a border. Uh, that the rules and regulations would be the same on the north in the north as as they are in the republic, so that the north would effectively remain in the uh, the customs union and would continue to abide by a lot of the rules of the single market. In other words, enough to allow goods to move for, 
to and fro. Now, London's interpretation of that agreement was a little different to Dublin's and Brussels. And what's happened in the withdrawal agreement is that Brussels has put forward its, I suppose, a strict interpretation of what it thinks this means. And Boris Johnson has put a size nines into the debate He has. As well, uh, he? It appears that he's been saying publicly that uh, he believes there should be no hard border and privately that uh, there should be some border, but uh, maybe not too hard a version of a border can be avoided. So and it it's no like big deal, it, it, basically. It, it, it no big deal. And, and I think he's given like some example tough. of the boroughs in London yeah, where yeah. One, one side is in the congestion zone yeah, and yeah. the other isn't. And, you know, we can soak one side for millions uh, yeah. by using technology. He, that he just can't, can't seem to avoid the soundbite. Yeah, sure. uh, but I think the bottom line for Irish business, I mean, there'll be a lot of talk in the next few days about the border and the politics of this. But the bottom line for Irish businesses is that we really aren't any further on in terms of knowing how Brexit is going to work. Uh, and in particular, the kind of the, the hot issue, I think, for businesses is the transition agreement. So that uh, from next March, um, the suggestion in the document today is that for a two year or a period of, of almost two years, uh, basically things, there should be a standstill. Everything stays the same. Everything stays more or less the same. Uh, more or less the same. Well, they really exactly thrash the out the Well, they thrash detail. out how things are going to look in future, mm. how the UK... Is that going to be long enough? I don't think so. And I think Ireland would have liked more flexibility in that and would want it to be longer. And the UK, in, in fact, itself had looked for flexibility, but Britain is trying to turn up, or the EU is trying to turn up the heat. Mm. But the, the risk now is that if the, if the talks really run into trouble, that that transition deal starts to come into question. Uh, and for businesses trying to plan for next year, trying to worry whether they're going to have, face new tariffs and customs arrangements uh, and customs checks, and for people who are going across the land bridge, being goods into yeah. Europe, because this, 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 is, this is a worry. Owen, uh, it's particularly a nightmare for the agri-sector, isn't it? Uh, that's heavily exposed to Brexit. Yeah, I mean, that's always been uh, flagged as the sector in Ireland that's most at risk from Brexit. Um, you know, about... Uh, uh, 40% 50% of our 12 billion food uh, businesses go to the UK so we're very much in the line of fire uh, when it comes to that and of course in any free trade agreement if, even if they do get round to that and that's very much in doubt these days the, the, the agri-food end of every free trade agreement is always the, the, the one most difficult uh, to negotiate and one, one most difficult to secure. We've so, seen that in WTO negotiations haven't we between Yeah it's, it's very sensitive Various sides um, yeah so it's, it's very difficult from this vantage to see where all this is going. Yeah, Barry, we're going to talk about Ryanair. Michael O'Leary has very clearly flagged Brexit's a big issue. There's no guarantee that they're going to be able to fly from March 2019 onwards when Britain exits the EU. That's the position today. And he's, he's pushing, pushing, pushing for the various sides to come to an, an agreement. He's fired a fairly sizable shot across the bows this week, in, in essence, because Ryanair is saying that they'll close down their, their base in Glasgow International Airport, I think it is, which they established a couple of years ago. Uh, Why Glasgow? Um, and this, this, this is one of, the, one of the reasons he's saying is that they have to pull back investment in the UK in the face of Brexit and in the face of all this uncertainty. Um, and he's, he's picked Glasgow. That's because the biggest base is probably probably Stansted, I would imagine. The, no? the, Ryanair would be big too. Ryanair's biggest base in Europe, insofar as I'm aware, is Stansted. And I think it's, I, I think it's in the order of twenty, twenty plus million passengers a year, um, quite a considerable number of pilots, staff, support staff, all the rest of it. Um, but Glasgow is the one they they picked. I don't think um, 
that uh, you'd do anything as, as, as radical as closing Stansted at this point. But Michael O'Leary did say last year, and it was in and around May of last year, that um, they, they would actually have to start considering st- stopping selling flights in the UK um, towards the end of this year if there wasn't any kind of light at the end of this tunnel. Or if there wasn't it seems inconceivable, sense. though. I mean, it just seems... Well, it's, it, this has se- seemed inconceivable, and it, it certainly seemed inconceivable at the time. But the, the more we, we the, the, the more you get into the fine print, if you like, of Brexit or what Brexit means for this and for that and for the other, um, the more difficult it becomes. And in fact, aviation is now throwing up quite a lot of issues. There was something very, very interesting in light of, of what happened with Bombardier is that the, um, the, the US, a number of people, a number of the US authorities have pointed out that, well, look, our aviation agreement with the UK isn't an aviation agreement with the UK. It's an aviation agreement with the with EU. The EU. Mm-hmm. And as soon as... The Open Skies deal. Yeah, the Open Skies deal. And as soon as uh, the United Kingdom leaves the EU, that agreement evaporates. And that was literally the word they used. Now, that doesn't just mean flights stopping. It means that if you make components for an aircraft that is manufactured in the United States, that also covers it. You have to stop exporting those components. Okay? Really? Yeah, so it be, it could, aviation agreements cover a whole raft of things, not just mm. my and right course, to fly to your country. It co- they cover safety, standards, sure. all that kind of thing. And Bombardier have a manufacturing facility in Northern, Northern Ireland, Ireland, which yeah. is uh, very important to the economy in the north. Uh, it employs a lot of people, obviously part of the United Kingdom. So that could be impacted. It could be impacted, yeah. And there, there are a whole range of things that, that, mm. that could be impacted in this so way. So what's Willie Walsh saying? I mean, Willie Walsh is the head of International Airlines Group. Aer Lingus is a part of that group. I mean, you know, BA is part of that group as well. They're obviously flying between uh, the UK and the European Union at the minute. And what's going to happen in respect of those? Well, uh, Willie Walsh Walsh was a vehement opponent of Brexit in the run-up to the vote. Subsequent to the vote, he's taken very much the opposite tack to Michael O'Leary and said, actually, we believe that the governments are committed to working this out and we have full confidence that they will work this out. That is fine, but... To me, um, from what I can see and from where I'm looking, I, I'm not saying that the situation is precisely go- is going to end precisely where Michael O'Leary says it will, but I don't see it ending precisely where Willie Walsh says either. Sure. Okay. So I, a lot of uncertainties there. there. There are an awful lot of layers of complexity here. Now, talking about Michael O'Leary, will he be in place by the time uh, Brexit comes around? Because this week we had calls from Ryanair pilots across Europe for him to resign. Uh, I suspect he will be in place by April 2019 uh, or March 2019, whenever this is all. Well, even April probably as well. April, whenever the balloon goes up, I, I'm uh, I'd be willing to to bet a very large sum of money at extremely short odds that Michael O'Leary will still be in place. The Ryanair response to that was uh, as robust as you would always expect uh, Ryanair response to something of that nature to be. Um, Where's this pilot's dispute at, Barry? The, this pilot's dispute is at is is at a number of points. Um, they are going through negotiations with, uh, I think it's around 20 individual unions uh, across Europe on recognition deals. The British Airline Pilots Association, BALPA, has, BALPA as it's known, has signed up and was amongst the first to sign up. Um, and they, they signed up relatively early in January. The, the, my understanding is that agreement is actually a very, very basic thing. It's just simply the two parties saying, is Ryanair saying, we now recognise BALPA. Uh, as having negotiating rights for for pilots employed in the United Kingdom. It wants to do something similar with everybody else. 
that's moving at different speeds. Where are we at in Ireland? In Ireland, what Ryanair are saying is that, well, we sent them a, a, a document offering, you know, a, a text offering uh, a, deal. A, a deal of sorts, a, a recognition deal, and we haven't heard anything back. There's been a number of discussions and votes within the, the, the Ryanair pilots group uh, in the Irish Airline Pilots Association in relation to 20%, a, a 20% pay deal that predates, that dates back to a 20% pay offer that dates back to uh, October of last year. And there's been some debate around that. But the problem with that is that what some of the pilots are saying is, well, this proposal wasn't made to us as a union. It was made to, you know, pilots in the company. We can't ballot on something that wasn't, you know, we can't ballot on, as a union, we can't ballot on an offer that wasn't made to us in the first place. And, you know, they're getting into that kind of mm. sort of very typical trade union semantics about issues like that Are there going to be strikes well. over Easter? This is something that Michael O'Leary has said twice in, in recent weeks, once uh, around a, a, once to analysts following the, their third quarter uh, results publication and once more the, kind of earlier this week where he's, he's once again said you need to be aware uh, of this. I'm not sure necessarily that there will be strikes uh, precisely when he says uh, but we are in territory where there is a risk of the industrial strife yeah. and industrial action, which can now legit, more or less legitimately be taken. So, yes, th- there is a risk. Whether it's precisely going to be at Easter or not, I don't know. Michael O'Leary's thinking is, this is a holiday weekend. We're vulnerable at that time. That is clearly the point where unions would like to hit us. Yeah. Cliff, are you concerned about this uh, Brexit issue for the airline industry? Yeah, I think as Barry said, it's uh, it's hugely complex. And if you look at an airline like Ryanair, uh, it may have implications for its ownership structure, uh, given that if it's as an EU it airline, majority it has to be majority EU owned, owned, EU owned and, and a, lot of, a lot of its shareholders would be UK shareholders at the moment. Uh, that can be worked out, though, I presume. It, it could be worked out, although how easily it could be worked out is, uh, is, is debatable. Mm. You know, there are some suggestions that uh, some of the shareholding uh, entities could be redomiciled somewhere, but uh, these days when uh, these things are more, much more tightly regulated, it may it may not be quite as easy as that. I and, seem to recall at a, when he was given a presentation some years ago. I was at a conference and he was given a presentation and he was on stage and uh, Michael O'Leary sort of holding uh, large as he normally does, and he said, "If you're from the United States." or uh, any other parts of the world outside the European Union, you can F off because <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> essentially I have enough uh, investors, uh, enough yeah. of you on my books at the minute. Um, uh, this is this is only That's a right. presentation for EU <laughs> investors. Well, Bre- Brexit does bring a new layer of complexity to that and also in terms of uh, UK internal flights, uh, wh- which uh, Michael Leary, I think, has said there's particular uh, doubt, of, doubt on after Brexit because the UK will have its own regulation. must be a strong lobby, Cliff. I mean, come on, you know, you're talking about BA, you're talking about EasyJet, yeah. Yeah, presumably Lufthansa, Aer Lingus, everybody's going to be on the same side in this, yeah, no? Yeah, it's a strong lobby, uh, you're right, but I think the other side of the argument, and, and you know, somebody, a few people in the know have been saying this from the start, is that aviation is very much a, uh, a front-of-house industry. Uh, it's very much one that affects people uh, and that uh, if there's an area where the European Commission and the rest of Europe want to kind yeah. of cause trouble and send a message to Britain and a message to the British people about how tricky this, this is going to be, aviation is a good one to focus on. So All right. uh, it, I think, you know, it could be a while before it's, it's sorted. Yeah, finally, Barry, just on a, a lighter note, uh, if uh, if I might say that, Aer Lingus has introduced some new rules and regulations around its lost and found service and we're now going to have to pay for the privilege 
of getting our items back should we leave them behind on an Aer Lingus plane? Or indeed in an Aer Lingus lounge, Kieran. should you be lucky enough to get into one? Well, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, what, what's rare is wonderful and it's been rare in my life, I can but, tell you. But it's certainly been rare in mine. Yeah, you, if you happen to leave your, 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 your smartphone or your, as in my case, not so smartphone, your laptop, your, your tablet, whatever, uh, whatever of your goods and chattels behind you in, in lounges or aircraft, Aer Lingus will now charge you, I think, up to 60 euro, could be 20 euro an item for uh, finding it for you. What happens is, not finding it for you, but returning it to you. What happens is this. They they basically have given the job to a third party called We Find It or something like that. We Find It.com or We Find It 24-7, whatever the hell. Anyway, these are the people who charge. Now, I've had a few words. I've, I've spoken to the Consumer Association and I also spoke to the, the competition uh, and the CCPC, the Cons- Competition and Consumer Competition Protection body. Commission. Competition body. And they were, they were actually very helpful about it and they went off and they took their time checking it and they came back to say, yeah, in this case, Aer Lingus, it's, while we're certainly not comfortable with it, what Aer Lingus is doing is not by any means illegal. But the extraordinary They're, thing is that Michael O'Leary didn't think of this. No, what Michael O'Leary does is he bashes it straight down to the lost and found in Dublin airport and they charge a six euro. Well, <laughs> Plus both and packaging. Right, okay. <laughs> well, it does seem better value in, in, in fairness. All right. Yeah. Listen, we're going to leave it there. Cliff Taylor, Barry Halloran, Owen Burke Kennedy, thank you for joining us. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Peter Hamilton, Cliff Taylor, Owen Burke Kennedy and Barry Halloran. Jennifer Ryan produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Don't forget that you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com and you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook. That's come rain, hail or shine. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.